We believe that alcoholism is a disease and that Alcoholics Anonymous is one solution to that disease. I'm here to bring you the voices of its members. Everyone that comes on the show, including myself, is an active member and has found recovery in the rooms of AA. As you listen, please take what works for you and leave the rest. My name is Jose. My sobriety date is 7-21-2017. A little background is um, my parents are both from El Salvador. My parents immigrated to the United States. And I was brought up um, in Union City, New Jersey. Union City, New Jersey in the 80s and 90s was a pretty rough, it was a pretty rough neighborhood. So I remember growing up in a building, a five-story building, and it had a lot of uh, tenants in there. But before that, a little bit of background on my parents. Uh, my, you know, uh, my dad was an alcoholic, and my dad went to AA. He went to AA. He did. He he did get sober, but he never worked the steps. So when I grew up, my dad was always very angry, and he would uh, discipline me. You know, he would. Um, and he would go overboard, you know? So that's what I remember. That's what I know so far. You know, some history about my parents. So back to the um, Union City, um, it was, uh, drugs were all around this neighborhood, especially in the street where I lived. Um, like I said, I lived in the building. And uh, as a kid, I would look out the window and I will see people, these people, they, they will be up all night. These people were different from my parents. My parents would go to work, come home, and then these people would, would be out there all night. They were selling and buying drugs. And there were addicts on the street. So I would, my mom, you know, I would leave the house and... In the hallway, there was uh, crack valves, there was cans, paraphernalia. I would see people in the hallway, and you know, when we walked by, they would be like, you know, they would hide, hide what they were doing. So it was, it was pretty rough. That combined with what I know now is alcoholism. Um, you know, feeling a little awkward, feeling like you don't belong. I felt those those things I felt like I I felt like um, it was hard for me to connect with other people it was hard for me to connect um, it was hard for me to connect with people but it was somehow easy to connect with other people that were almost just like me <laughs> I would um, you know growing up I was very rebellious towards uh my parents, you know, they they would tell me to go to do this and I wouldn't do it. Or they would put me in classes in school, like music school, but I just couldn't stick to it. You know, I, I always felt, you know, I always felt kind of rebellious, kind of anger, kind of different. 
and I, um, you know, that's how I grew up. I remember my parents that, you know, like I said before, they were a Christian, Christian family. So I went to a Christian school and I didn't, I, I, I was unable to, to stay long in that school. They, they let me go. And then I went to a public school and I also wasn't successful there either. So I had a, I, you know, I never, you know, I never grew up in, you know, special ed, but I was just, it was my behavior, you know, my, hard for me to eat. Just, I, I went to school and play and horse. And, and then, and then this school, I learned, you know, I gravitated towards these, these kids that were, they were just like me, you know, they were rebellious and smoked cigarettes. I remember I would smoke cigarettes and cough and I was like, wow, you know, and there was, and I always saw the the other kids, like they were well behaved, you know, um, they would get good grades and, um, they wouldn't get in, in, in trouble in school. And, and I always noticed that, that I was them and then there was me and I was always different. And, you know, during this time, a little bit younger, I had a family member move into this house, to this apartment. That was my uncle from my mother's side. And um, I felt victim to uh, child abuse. And that was very, very hurtful, kind of messed me up, you know, messed up my, just messes you up psychologically as a kid, as a, you know, I remember being eight years old, that happened to me, very traumatizing moment in my life. So I had to deal with that. You know, um, my parents, you know, they were, they weren't wealthy. You know, they immigrated from El Salvador. Uh, my mom worked in factories. She would cook on the weekends. My dad would, was a dishwasher, and he worked at an assembly uh, factory for many years. That was my early beginnings, you know. Um, um, dealing with my father, you know, he was uh, he was uh, he was abandoned as a kid, as a baby boy, and um. He grew up with his grandparents, very poor, and um, that's how he nobody nobody um kind of raised them the right way or put him in like in schools and or you know so his trauma was passed down you know to me you know and he had this problem this you know he was an alcoholic but he was a dry drunk. So, you know, he would come home from work and me being, you know, just me being me and we would clash. We would clash and he would put his hands on me, never sexually, but very, very strong disciplinary. He would punch and kick. I remember being hit with a bat, a stick to the point where I was uh, had bruises. And I would go to school like this. I mean, I just felt like a victim. You know, I'm like, damn, this sucks. Um, this sucks. You know, I, you know, I wasn't, 
didn't see a psychologist or anything like that, talk about my feelings or stuff like that. So that took place and um, I was, you know, growing up and so I school got left back, you know, once or twice. And um, I just started running away from home, running away from home in teenage years, 12, 13, 14. And I would spend days at home, I mean, on the street with my other friends, the friends that were just like me, rebellious and smoking cigarettes and experimenting with alcohol. I remember the, the, not the first time, I don't remember the first time I, I got drunk, but I do remember blacking out. I was uh, definitely a blackout drinker. I would drink and um, just black out and not, not remember where, you know, what I did the night, the day before or anything like that. And alcohol, you know, took away, you know, the shyness, the problems, the, it just took it away, you know, and I, and, and now I was able to fit in, fit in with everybody else. And I had courage uh, to talk to anybody. Alcohol was in the picture early, early on. I remember being uh, in a blackout. So I remember that. Started getting in trouble early on, running away from home. Uh, my teenage years, and um, I uh, started uh, started experimenting with weed, and I gravitated towards weed. Weed was um, it was easy to get. Uh, my friends were doing it, and I just I remember always wanting to to be high, being high on um, smoking weed and hanging out with my friends. My teenage years, um, that's how I was spent them. Uh, no school. I was dropped out. So, you know, I just started working, you know, jobs, uh, working at warehouses. And I would try not to get messed up during the week. But when the weekend came, the Friday came, you know, I would drink. And, man, I would get drunk. And I would, I would, you know, out drink a lot of people. But I will also black out. And, um. We all flocked together, you know. My friends did the same thing. My, my friends did the same thing, you know, drink and, um, you know, started meeting girls and, you know, sleeping with girls. You know, time went by. Time flew, you know. Maybe in my late teens, 18, 20, multiple relationships with girls and, um, and, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, um, I wouldn't last too long with them because my drinking will always be, get in the way. My drinking was always in the way. I would drink and uh, I'd just make a disaster out of them, you know, out of uh, my relationship. It wouldn't be uh, good, uh, to, you know. So. 
weed, uh, I said weed, I would smoke weed, and then um, I would experiment with uh, other drugs. Cocaine, started getting in the picture. That's how um, things started progressing. So this time, uh, let's see, um, about, about almost in my 20s, I, I think, and um, I move out with my friend. Uh, we get an apartment and, you know, we wanted to make, do good. Like we had goals, but, um, every time that I would try to, you know, like have, you know, sobriety on my own, you know, I would say to myself, you know, I'm not going to drink, you know, I'm not going to drink. I'm going to try to stay um, out of it. Try to, try to stop try to be sober um i would go like two weeks three weeks four weeks maybe a month or two but then you know i didn't know then my disease would always defeat me i would always have a first drink and um that's how it started um my early 20s uh living with my friend you know, when when you're living this lifestyle, you meet other people, and and they're doing the same thing, and they're experimenting too. And I was experimenting, experimenting with a with a lot of drugs during in my twenties, ecstasy. Um, started meeting some drug dealers, and they were known people in the clubs in New York, and I would um. I would go to these parties and. I would be all night doing ecstasy and special K and G and uh, it's like an alphabet of uh, of drugs out there. And I would just do them all and and the, the next day it was just like a horrible feeling. I'd be so depressed and it was just this vicious cycle. It goes on and on the vicious cycle. But there was there was like no solution because I, I I didn't do it every day, you know. So it wasn't like I was I was a total disaster. I was able to always have work and and and, and a job. And I was able to put clothes on myself, but never really have like a lot of success, you know. I was always you know, with, with, with when you're in active addiction, you take five, five steps forward and then four steps back. So then you're just moving forward, but then also moving back. It's, you know, and my parents, you know, my parents will always be like, uh, you, you know, you should stop drinking. And, and I, I used to tell them, yeah, I got it under control. You know, this is just on the weekends. You know, I'm not doing nothing. I'm not killing nobody. I'm not hurting myself. But I was definitely hurting myself and hurting relationships. You know, like I said before, I had relationships with girls, but it would always, you know, it was always turn out ugly because my, my behavior was ugly. When I was drinking and my behavior was very ugly when I was sober, I, you know. And this went on maybe for like a, uh, a decade. In my twenties, my whole twenties was was 
it was pretty bad, you know. Um, approaching uh, my 30, 30, 30s, I um, was was kind of like, you know, I was tired. I was tired. I was beat up. You know, my parents are Christian, so I remember, you know, the teachings, you know, God is God is our our refuge, and God can help us out in any in any situation. So, you know that, you know, I tried I tried to get sober before on my own. I tried um <clears throat> tried a couple of times um like psychology psychologists going to psychologists, and they would tell me um they would tell me that I should drink less, that I should, that I should drink less and I should try to, um, I should, I should, I should drink less. See, I should try that. So I, I did a couple of times, but you know, disease was too strong. Disease was too strong. And, um, I, I always felt, I felt I always relapsed, always relapsed. A lot of things happened in my 20s that, you know, I did. I wasn't proud of, you know, going to the clubs, experimenting. Um, and I never talked to nobody. I never talked to nobody about my feelings, my, my struggles, my. Sorry, I'm outside. My. The, the pain that I was going through, you know, I always had to muscle, muscle it through. You know, that's the way it is. You know? Um, you know, you muscle it through, you get back on your feet, you know, and go to work and, you know, and, but uh, I was always looking for change. I was always looking for, for something, you know, as alcoholics, we always need something, you know, we're always in the, in, in the search for something. Something that's going to take us out of self, you know. 30, around 30 years old, I remember, I mean, I'm living in my mom's basement. I lived, I lived there like 10 years in my mom's basement. You know, I worked, but always, you know, have, I will always get high and drink, you know, and. At this point, it's always every time I drank, I was doing cocaine, snorting it or or smoking it, you know. And I and many many bad things happen. To tell you, uh, I would I would go to New York City, and I would go to the bar, to a restaurant, and I would say to myself, I'm just gonna eat, have a couple a glass of wine have a beer, you know, I would treat myself to that because I worked very hard. But when that night was over, I was somewhere looking for drugs. You know, I was looking for cocaine in the city, you know, uh, with nobody with me, just by myself. And I would end up in the basements. Um, I will end up in people's homes, not knowing who they were. And I was just like, you know, just looking for, 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 for drugs and 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 these people were you know were like sometimes homeless and I will end up in basements uh, 
remember one time ended up in some bushes. And one time I was looking for 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 cocaine and um I go to the projects and I these drug dealers come out. They come out with guns and they start shooting at me. And I'm in my car and I'm just the bullets are going through the window. Bullets are going through the car. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I I'm I'm like if the bullet hits the back, it hits the back seat, and it, it goes through me, I'm dead, you know? It's going to hit my lungs, it's going to hit one of my organs, and I'm going to die. And then I would, you know, after these things would happen, I would, like, I would still have a job, but, you know, I was, you know, go to work, and I just wasn't functioning right, you know? My full capacity, you know, because always... The, the disease always gets you. The drugs always get you. You know, it's just horrible. So I'm 30 years old, and I said, man, I need help. So the only thing that I could think of was God, you know, because God could do all things. That's what they taught us in church when I was little. So I remember saying to myself, one of these days I'm going to go. I'm going to go to church, going to ask God, and I'm you know, so I I go to church one day and I build up the courage. <laughs> so I go to church and I and that day I go to church and the moment I sat down on a on the on the seat, I felt something inside. I felt something inside me. And as I look back, the obsession was lifted that day. I was like I said to myself, I don't want to do drugs no more, I don't want to drink no more. And, you know, so I have found something, you know, like I said before, I was constantly looking, for, searching for for something outside of myself that was true, that was real. And I found it that day. Yeah, man. And I found God. And wow, it was very powerful. Very powerful. You know, God lifted the obsession. I didn't want to do it. So I said to myself, this is it. I found, I found, you know, I found relief and, and I will go to church. And, you know, the next week came and I will go to church again. And time went on, time went on. And, man, I was, these people didn't do drugs. You know, these people were not my friends from the street. You know, they all had jobs. They all had families. They all had kids. And, you know, the outside, it looks very nice, you know. Uh, I, you know, I stuck by and, and I went, you know, but I, I wasn't, you know, completely good. I got sober, but I wasn't completely good, you know? So, so I got, you know, I started, I started getting better, started getting better working, going to church, working, going to church. And that was my, that was my, 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 my cure church and you know and for some people it does work like i said my father who drank who found aa in el salvador got sober and he he got sober but he never did the program so you know so it, so for some people it did work you know and and as you meet people at church you hear their stories and it's the same thing. It's like, oh yeah, I remember I used to do stuff like that. You know, man. So that helped me out a lot. You know, I was doing good. I didn't touch alcohol. 
So I have like six years, about five or six years sobriety. This time I'm like 35, 36, something like that. You know, and I want to, I want to settle down with a, with a woman and, and have kids. And so I started dating, started dating, going on websites, um, Okay, Cupid was one of them. I remember being on Okay, Cupid. Well, I would meet women, you know, all the time and go out on dates. And you know, <clears throat> then uh, I found this 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 Christian girl. She also, you know, she was Christian. She drank, you know. And I one day we went on a date, and man, um, she drank wine. For her, it was nothing, you know. But I drank. And it was like, you know, I react differently towards alcohol. My body does. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't drink normal. You know, I could, I could probably out drink any, you know, any, a lot of people. You know, I just, mm-hmm. I'm about 200 pounds. You know, I'm 5'10". So I'm not big, but I'm like, a, you know, my body could take a lot. So... <clears throat> So go on the seat with this girl. She drank three glasses of wine. I drank like three glasses of wine. I haven't touched alcohol in like five years. I drop her off, but I go drink some more. And I dr- a little bit more and a little bit more. The next day, she's like, hey, so what did you do? And I'm like, hey, you know, I went out to listen to some more music. I went somewhere else. And um, I drank some more. And then she was, you know, she was like, really like you know she's you know she stopped but she, i didn't so she saw kind of a red flag and um once i started that 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 drink that drunk i was going back started bringing me back you know i was like in my mind i was i was like well it's just one glass of wine it's I get drunk once in a while, you know, everybody sins. Everybody. So as I'm going to church, I'm, I'm backslidden. <laughs> I'm back to drinking. And little by little, that alcohol brings me back to drugs. I'm doing cocaine. And now, you know, I'm going to church. I got one foot in, one foot out. And that's how I spent the last um, couple of years. One foot in, and then the other foot out, and I wasn't happy no more. And um, you know, I get into this uh, truck accident at work, and I was let go. And um, I go to El Salvador to spend some time with my sister. At the time, she was living there, and and uh, we get together and we go. Um, Wow, we have we went out to eat and then we come home and you know her husband, her ex husband at the time has bottles of wine and you know they drink two to three glasses the most and they go to bed. I drink two to three glasses and I stay up and he has a couple of bottles of wine and I drink all of them by myself. And he had beer in the fridge, and I drank all of that. And the next day, I was like, I was feeling so, so uh, hungover, and I hated. It. I was like, wow. I was like, she's like, she's like, Jose, you had you. 
don't drink normal. You need to check yourself out. And um, you need to do something about that alcohol, you know. Maybe you should go to AA. You know, and that stood with me, you know. She was like, you should go to AA, you know, and check it out. Maybe it's good for you. And I said, yeah, you're right, you're right. So I came back to the U.S. and I'm, I'm back with it, you know. I'm back and I'm drinking. I'm doing drugs. I'm blacking out. I'm waking up with strangers. Waking up in people's homes, you know, and you know, and I'm waking up, and I, I'm just like, I could, I could, I could be almost well dressed during the day, go out to drink, and then I'll end up in the worst neighborhoods at the worst time, two in the morning, looking for, for drugs. It's just, it's, it's just crazy how I go from one extreme to the other, with you know, that's my addiction. So I go out one more time with my friends and I, and I drink and it happens again. You know, I, I black out and they, I don't know how I got home. They, he's telling my friends telling me, Oh, we brought you home. You were obnoxious. You're acting like a kid. Um, you were, you were with some people that you're not supposed to be around with. You had no shirt. So I had no shirt. I woke up in my bedroom, my mom's basement with no shirt. I don't know how I got there. I don't know where my money went. Just, you know, I'm just like, and I, and I thought to myself, well, maybe I should go to AA, you know, maybe I should try this out just to see, just to see, just check it out, you know? So I built up the courage. Um, and, uh, one day I just, I just go one day. I'm like, you know, I'm just going to go probably like a week after my last drunk. And, um, I go, you know, I go to this church basement, you know, I'm like, what the hell? I walk in, you know, I'm expecting to see, you know, maybe a guy with a doctor suit, a professional. And when I walk in, I see my friend's mom. I'm like, oh, and she looks at me like, oh, what are you doing here? And I look at her thinking the same thing. Like, what are you, you know, like, well, we don't say much, you know, but I know her. So I'm like, well, I thought this is AA. Like, what is my friend's mom doing here? Um, you know, her husband, I know. You know, he was very nice to me. He was like, hey, you know, um, just sit down and just, do you want some coffee or you just want, you know, do you want to sit down? He was, you know, started, you know, just being nice. And um, he was like, well, why don't you go tomorrow to this other meeting? And I was like, you know, I felt like, well, I don't know, you know. So I think I let a week pass by, but I went. I went over again and I would go and I would listen to these people, but I wouldn't catch on. You know, I was like, I have a drinking problem, but you guys, you guys look like you guys need it. I don't, you know, I, I, I drink and I, I, I do this and I do that, but it's not like you guys, cause you guys need it. And I don't, you know, and so I'm there like maybe a couple of weeks and some guy gets up he tells he tells my story. He said that there's two type of drunks. One that you send him to the store. He comes back with the groceries, with the money and the items. And then he goes out to drink. And then there's the other drunk that you send him to the store. He doesn't come back. He doesn't come back. He doesn't have money. He doesn't have the groceries. And he doesn't give a fuck. And when he said that, 
it hit me like a like somebody threw water on me. I was like, yo, that's me. Because one day my mom sent me to the store and I didn't come back. I didn't have groceries and I didn't give a fuck. And you know who was it? It was with that that lady that was there, her son. <laughs> I was with her son and we had gone to the beach in uh, Coney Island, New York. And we were smoking weed and hanging out with girls. And these girls had a gun under the sand. And I was like, yo, this is awesome. And it was it was that day I was like, yo, I'm an alcoholic. And it hit me. And that's how I kept coming back because I was like, wow. And, you know, and that was on, you know, 17th. That was the last time I got drunk on that date on 2017. And I just kept going back and going back and going back, um, not knowing much. But, you know, everybody was really nice, you know, and that's how little by little I started getting sober, you know, and and I go and I meet I meet uh um my sponsor, you know, I look I look at the, I look at this guy, he's you know, he's being nice, he looks he looks nice and clean, clean cut, you know. You know, I've got like six months in and I have no sponsor, you know, because I don't trust, you know, I have a problem with trust. I have a problem with people, trusting people because I've been a, I've been abused before. You know, people was always trying to pull a fast one on me, you know, so I don't trust people, you know. And, but so I told this guy, you know, after a couple of weeks, you know, he was very friendly, you know, and I was like, hmm, you know, and I'm like, hey, maybe you, you know, you, you want to be my sponsor and that's how we, he started becoming my sponsor, you know? Um, and, um, he's been incredible. Like he, he was, um, Oh, he, he's a, he's a gay man. Um, but he never tried any fast moves on me. Never tried anything sneaky has always been upfront. And, um, and I appreciate that, you know, I don't know what I would have reacted. If somebody would have tried to, do something to me or something like that you know i would have probably been mad at aa and left and who knows what would happen but um he's been there you know very non-judgmental very calm very easy and very kind and um that's what i want you know i i want that type of uh want to be that person you know non-judgmental and so that's how I got into AA. That's how I uh, been doing it, and and things have gotten way better. I got a job. I got a girlfriend. My girlfriend's never seen me drink. I when I say that, I'm like, what the hell? You never seen me drink? You never seen me drunk? You know, like you won the lotto. Like, like that's amazing. That's something I can't believe myself when I, when I, when I say that. Like she's never seen me have a drink. What? It's amazing. So, and I have moved out from my mother's house because I was like, I hadn't like I couldn't. I was unable to move because every time I drank, I was spent eight hundred dollars on drugs and alcohol. How am I supposed to pay rent? I can't do it. But in sobriety, I did it. And I'm doing it. And 
that's felt good, you know. It just came from the mall, and you know, we get, we have a pretty good relationship, you know. I never put my hands on her. It's never ugly, you know, because it's you know, and she's my girlfriend, and you know, it's been going, it's been going great. So, been working on the steps. The steps have helped. You know, my sponsor has helped, you know, knowing that I am the problem, that this this thing called alcoholism, addiction, is just part of me. It's just, unfortunately, I inherited from my father or I was born with it, but I'm, I'm very different. I feel different. You know, I'm, I feel different, definitely feel different from everybody else. It's hard for me to connect with people. You know, so I always thought, you know, like they say, you know, you have low self-esteem and this ego thing, you know, so I, I suffer from that. But things have gotten way better. Uh, um, uh, my my relationships are better. My relationship with my parents are better. I tell my father, my mother, you know, I have to do this sobriety thing, this AA thing every day. You know, I go to a meeting, I do a Zoom meeting every day. Every day I go to a Zoom meeting, except on Sundays, I need a day for myself. But every day I do this Zoom meeting and I talk to my sponsor and I, because it's, it's, it's worked. And if it's worked and it has given me this outcome, this four years of sobriety, I'm going to continue doing it. You know, um, it's life, it's life's changing. So I, 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 you know, I, I found you on Twitter. I, I went on the search bar AA and started looking for A stuff and, you know, and I come up on, on your, uh, I search for your podcast. Just keep coming back. And, um, it's funny because when I, when I used to hear that at meetings, nobody told me to come back. People were like, yo, get this guy out of here. Like yo, we don't want you back, you know, because you 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 tear shit up, you know. I got kicked out of everywhere. There hasn't been a place I haven't been kicked out of. Restaurants, uh, people kick you out of their homes, um, and then you got to apologize the next day. But this is the first time people had. I felt you know people say, "Hey, keep coming back. We'll wait, you know, we'll be here tomorrow." And and then I, that was different, you know. That was it was warming, and and I love that. And, um, I listen to your podcast and um, go to meetings. I listen to it at work, and uh, it's been great. You know, I, on my Zoom, I have my name, and I have keep coming back because I'm sure somebody reads that and they say like, "Oh, you know, you got to keep coming back to this thing, this sobriety thing, this AA thing." You know, it works. Um, so, in a nutshell, that's kind of like, you know. I'm sure I left out a few things, but in a nutshell, that's what that's been it's been my life right there. So I don't know how much time I have left, or do you want me to go even more, Tara? No, it's perfect. It's perfect, mm-hmm. Jose. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I I was enjoying listening to your the way that you deliver your story, which is at this slower pace and it has a calm about it that I really appreciate it. So when I heard you say that your sponsor has this calm and uh, way of being non-judgmental that you want to 
you want what he has. Uh, yeah, I, right. I was yeah. thinking, I was just thinking how much I was enjoying how calm you were <laughs> and comfortable in your story. Um, mm. You seemed, you seemed comfortable talking about everything. And I love the keep coming back piece that you shared, because when I was in and out of the rooms, I don't know, out here in California, when we end a meeting, we we don't right now because of COVID, but before we'd hold hands and we would say, keep coming back, it works. Have you experienced that, like in the rooms? I don't know if they do that everywhere. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, uh, I, I'm from New Jersey, so um, they always said, keep coming back. It works when you work it, so work it because you're worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. so we, I would hear that all the time, you know, and I, you know, and you don't understand it till you're in it. Till you, you know, you're like, oh, okay, well, you know, keep coming back and it's this daily reprieve that, that it's so, it's, you got to do it. It's so beautiful. I find it so beautiful. Like, um, this daily thing that we do and it's brought, brought me a lot of peace, brought me a lot of serenity. Um, I heard at a meeting that everything I was looking in drugs and alcohol, I find it here on this side in recovery. So, um, I definitely, uh, I understand I, I, I like when they say, keep coming back. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hold on to those words. Um, in the beginning, it, it brought me a lot of comfort and you spoke about your parents being, you spoke about your, basically your spiritual experience when you went to the church and, and sat down, um, and then you you spoke of your parents being Christian, and I loved that you said, you know, God is a refuge. And but I didn't hear, or I'd like to hear about your higher power and how that works in your program today. Yeah, yeah, my higher power. Um, it's it's taken. You know, I knew God as Jesus, so it was always Jesus and this. You know, it's you got to do this, you got to do that. Don't do this and do that. I'm sorry. Sorry for the helicopter flying over. But, but in AA, my higher power, it's it's taken, you know, I it's a little bit, it's a little bit different. It doesn't have, you know, a Jesus name. It's just, it's just God, uh, something greater than myself. Something greater, and that has brought me more relief because I don't have to live up to something that maybe I can't live up to. I cannot be this perfect Christian person. I cannot live this perfect life. You know, I, it's just I got to be me, who I am. That higher power accepts me for who I am. Well, Jesus does too, but the higher power, you know, is just of being greater, something greater than yourself, you know, and it just brought me more relief. Um, um, churches are, have been closed down here on the East coast, but they're starting to open back up, you know, and I plan to return to church soon. Um, but my higher powers, um, is in the rooms too. You know, when, when I pray, there's one of the things that I stayed in AA is because that prayer at the end, uh, the sinner's prayer or, you know, we hold hands and pray. It's brought me that spirituality that I cannot do it on my own, you know. Uh, I pray on my own, but it's nothing like 
like holding hands or, or being in the room or being in the Zoom meeting with other people and then we pray. And I, that, that just brought me a lot of comfort too. And uh, I, I appreciate, uh, like I told, I told my mom, AA has everything. It has people, it has spirituality, it has uh, community, you know, it, it has a, a lot of things. And those things is what I need. I always say it's the best religion because you can believe in whatever you want. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, and it works for me as a person that you know I you know I I know a God through through the Bible, but it could also work for somebody else who who has a different point of view on on religion, and they they it, I could see it work for them too, and and it has worked for other, for them too, you know, because I see I I hear people, and you know in the rooms and they're like, you know, I, I, I don't know who God is, they say, but is a is a power greater than myself. And I hear that in the room then, you know, it works for them. It keeps them sober. They have a lot of sobriety with that. So yeah. So it works. It works for it works for anybody. The episode right before you, the gentleman is atheist, Josh. Correct, correct. And I could not um stop pestering him with questions and like how do you do this how do you do this well, how do you do this and uh so i i mean i said it's the best religion but you can actually be atheist in aa so ah uh, yes yes <laughs> so final question for yes. the alcoholic out there who's still waking up perhaps sometimes with that horrible depressed regretful heart what message do you have to leave them with it doesn't have to be that way For more information, read the first 164 pages of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous or visit keepcomingback.net.